Let us now join together in the litany of invitation and confession printed in your order of worship. We gather for worship of God, and we are ready to hear again what God has done. God has not abandoned us. The Holy Spirit is present among us. Let us wade into the glad waters of God's grace-filled future. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. Let us live large lives filled with faith and love. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church, even on this rainy Sunday morning. It's good to be together as God's people in this place with God and one another. Welcome. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm glad this wasn't two weeks ago on Easter Sunday with pouring down rain. Uh, We had 1,500 Easter eggs to find Imagine hiding all of those in the building. They'd have to be done in dozen, dozen crates, I guess. Uh, but we're here today. What a good day to be here. We have guests among us. Welcome to, to you who are guests among us. There is on the order of worship on the edge there a response card, a welcome card. If you'll complete that, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. It'll help me connect name and uh, face with you. Uh, also, uh, if you, any of you have a prayer request... Place that on the card as well. Drop it in the plate, and we'll pray for you, our deacons and our staff, this week. Uh, it is good to be back here. We, Liz and I were gone last weekend to Asheville, tending to her mother, and I heard that you had worship anyway, and that it went well, and that Daniel had a word for uh, you, and you celebrated the gift of communion. As we do today, we uh, explore the texts. The first text and the gospel text use that word witness. And is that not what we are called to do about our Easter faith? We are called to be witnesses. And the second lesson, which will be read by Mike, one of our new members, uh, has that phrase that we are the beloved children of God. So whatever you've brought with you today, anything that's broken anything that needs the attention of the grace of God. Remember, children, you are God's beloved. 
Let us now open our hearts as well as our ears to hear from the book. Welcome. The resurrected Christ is present among believers. A reading from the Acts of Apostles. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. In the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. Almighty God, in whom we know the power of redemption. You stand among us in the shadows of our time, when teenagers are shot at for asking for directions, when world leaders respond by more bombings, and hate continues to divide all people. As we move through every sorrow and trial of this life, uphold us with the knowledge of the final morning when, in the glorious presence of your risen Son, we will share in his resurrection, where love of neighbor will become the norm, where we will be redeemed and restored to the fullness of life and forever free to be your people. Let us follow the example of those faithful women long ago and proclaim Jesus' resurrection so that the world may be changed. Teach us to keep faith like them, that our witness may be as bold, our love as deep, and our faith as true. And in our practices of faith and love, may we remember the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. The people of God find our truest identity within the love of God, a reading from the first letter of John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And I who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. And Pastor Daniel will take your offering. (laughs) Come on and take a seat. How are y'all today? Are you good? Good. I brought my puppy dog friend with me today because he reminds me of a puppy dog that I had when I was a little girl. Her name was Sadie. And Sadie, as she got older, she got sicker. And she ended up dying, and it was really, really sad. I cried, and I cried, and I cried because I loved Sadie so much. Have you all ever felt sad like that? Yeah? What made you feel so sad? My cat, my cat Mon just died. Oh, that is sad. It's sad when we lose a pet. What else has made you sad? If someone took your dog, that would be sad. Yes, the police would have to come. That is true. Yes. Maybe we feel sad when, we, when we're lonely. Or if we move to a new place or start school somewhere that we've never been, that can be very scary. Did you know that people in the Bible were scared too? They felt sad. They felt scared and afraid. And then they died. Yeah, maybe they did. But the people in the Bible turned to God. And they asked God to stay with them and be with them and help them. Sometimes in our lives, we're going to feel sad, and we're going to feel scared and lonely and afraid, but we can know that God is with us. Having a relationship with God doesn't always mean that everything's going to be happy all the time. We won't be able to explain some of the hard things we go, to, go through, and we won't understand why, but we can trust that God will never, ever leave us, Okay? So next time you feel sad or afraid or lonely, remember that God is with you and you can talk to God about everything, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being our friend and for loving us so well. We love you and we are thankful that you are around us all the time. In your name we pray, amen.
The resurrected Christ appears to the disciples. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. You have to intend to get to church on a day like today, and I'm glad you intended and that I intended. We have a special guest that will be joining us for lunch following. That would be Mr. Zeta, whom uh, several of you know that we are in partnership with their family uh, as refugees from Afghanistan. And so they're going to be joining us for uh, lunch today and hope that you will stay. Now, we look in the rearview mirror looking at Easter Sunday two weeks ago, because on Easter Sunday it was quite the celebration, quite the joy, quite the hallelujah chorus that we all enjoyed. But now it's two weeks later, and it's still Easter. But there is a question that follows us, and the question is, what now? What difference does believing in Easter make in my life now? And what difference does it make in your life? For instance, does it make a difference to those of you who are young parents, of which some of us were once? Young parents, as you put your kids to bed during a rainy night in Georgia, thunderstorm, and see the light bounce off their forehead quietly as it refracts through a cold rain that runs down the window pane. What difference does it make to believe in Easter now? Or does it make a difference to believe in Easter for those of us who are caring for aging parents, um, who deal with chronic medical issues that go through acute episodes from time to time? Does Easter make a difference in how we handle that? Or a young adult waiting for the phone to ring or the email to come about a job possibility or a new job possibility. Does Easter have anything to do with that? Or similar to what Jeffrey prayed in the morning prayer, how does Easter alter our response to the world's wounds where the word atrocity is in nearly every day's 
headlines. It describes the immoral choices of leaders as well as cruel and chaotic cascades that result in atrocious actions. Does Easter have anything to do with how we think about that and respond to it? What do we do with Easter is a question, and what does Easter do with us is another. Jesus, in a way, answers these questions in today's story and text. I think of that whole text that was read earlier, the gospel lesson, kind of like a great funnel. It starts off with the disciples talking about the reports of the resurrection they have heard, but can't make sense of it. And about that time, as they are terrified and confused and afraid, Jesus shows up. He shows them hands and feet. He asks for something to eat. Do you have anything to eat? I mean, isn't that an interesting question? Uh, You would think that Jesus would know uh, what's in the pantry or not. I mean, I'll go, you know, stare like something has happened between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Nope, nothing else has happened in there. Jesus says, you have anything to eat? And they give him some grilled fish. Do you see that? It reminds me of that, uh, you know, the older woman character in Clyde Edgerton's Walking Across Egypt. Remember Maddie? And the last scene is that Maddie is sitting at the piano by herself playing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And then the last line is, Jesus was company to her, but she just couldn't cook for him. How do you be a matriarch of the South? and not cook for those you love. Well, they cooked for him. They had some, grill, had some uh, fish. It's a cacophony of feelings that's swimming in all of these uh, words. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. Amid all of these, it comes down to this point where Jesus says, of all these things, all these things, You are witnesses. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the answer to the question of what does Easter want for us and what we need from Easter. That's all Easter asks, just be witnesses. Notice it doesn't say expert witnesses. Now, we've known some of those. A witness speaks of what's seen, heard, observed, experienced. A witness speaks to that. In a court of law, let's say. But an expert witness gets to add a conclusion. Based on my expertise, based on my education, given these facts, my conclusion is, but that's not asked of us. We are not to be judges, not to be enforcers of Easter. But rather, this is how I've experienced the presence of God and the absence of God in the mystery of my life. That's what Easter asks. There are two things from this story that I want to raise up that speak to this notion of being a witness to Easter and what that looks like. And I've vetted these because it speaks to how I go at it too. It's true for me as well. The first is, to witness Easter is to watch God, especially when we gather. Watch for God, especially when we gather in community. It occurred to me this week that of all of the the resurrection appearance stories, 
all of them occur in community. There's always two or three or more gathered, except for one, and that's Mary Magdalene and Jesus in John 20. You know, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. So Andy and Jesus and uh, Mary Magdalene uh, were there in the garden. But I've always thought of John more as mystery than history, more mystical than historical. But all of the other times, save that one, there's a group gathered. Even right before this text that was read, you know what happens before that? The Emmaus Road. That's what sets up this story. Two guys, disciples, nameless, walking, all despondent that they don't know what to make of the news that Jesus' body's missing. Jesus comes up beside them, and they don't recognize him. He's in camouflage, I guess. He's masquerading, I guess. They don't recognize it to be Jesus until he, what, breaks bread. Matter of fact, that's in the windows that Jordan Clark gave us the tour of recently. There are the hands, you see the nail scars, and the bread being broken. And it was in the breaking of the bread that they recognized that it was Jesus. That's the way it is with the resurrected Christ, seeking out communities in which to bring Easter. So here he shows up again. While they were talking, it says. Isn't that, isn't that a very human thing to do? That, that when you, it, it, is, it is when you're with someone else that you find the most joy. It's like you turn to the person next to you and say, did you just see that? I mean, even when you're alone and you see uh, the Statue of Liberty, you're thinking, I need to tell her when I get home about seeing, I need to tell them when I get home about seeing this. That even when you're by yourself, you're being accompanied by all those you care about experiencing this with you. That's just so natural to do. Some of you may have been at the Masters Golf Tournament recently, and you were there on the 15th green when Garcia hit the ball into the water, and you turn to the person next to you. Did you see that? I mean, that's something I would do, but he's in the Masters, and he hit it in the water once, twice, Three, five times in a row he hit it in the water. Yeah. And you would have turned to a complete stranger and say, did you see that? There's something about needing to share the Hail Mary pass at the homecoming football game. Did you see that? It is something experienced when we are together. How many times have I stood right there at this, these steps and at this altar and said to a couple, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God and these witnesses present. Witnesses. It is something about having someone else to share the joy with or the grief with that changes, that changes what it means. Like J.B. and Virginia Gilbert are going to be hosting soon a discussion in their home. Several of you are coming and others from the community discussing, do, do more guns make us more safe? Really? Hmm. Thank you, J.B. in Virginia. Or like Mr. Zeta, whom some of you will meet in a bit, uh, it's been a year that they've been among us and with us. A year. And they arrived on a dark and stormy night 
when uh, it was to be about 7 o'clock, I think, and a bunch of north side drivers were going to gather at the airport. But no, the plane was delayed an hour, so a few were going to gather at 8. And then, well, no, it would be 10 o'clock and less. They landed at 2 a.m. I was the only north side driver around. But there they were, finally there. It was that night when the whole eastern seaboard was in Atlanta at the airport. But they arrived. I don't know what it was like on their side, but for me, it sure felt a lot like uh, Easter. 2,000 years ago, on Easter Sunday, Easter was Jesus being raised from the dead in the tomb. On the day after Easter... Easter was the resurrected presence of Christ with Christ's people. And now, 2,000 years later, I believe that witnessing Easter means looking for the Holy Spirit at work, enlivening the work for the common good. To me, that feels like Easter, whether I'm at a masjid or at a synagogue or at a church. It feels like Easter to me. That's the first thing. To witness Easter is to do so in community. The second thing is to witness Easter is to do so even among conflicted feelings. I like it that the writer goes out of his way to say, and there they were while there was joy. They were feeling disbelief while still wondering. Don't you love those three big words? While they were having joy, they were still disbelieving while experiencing wonder and wondering. To me, I don't know what uh, grammatical mark to punctuate that sentence with. Is it joy, exclamation point? Is it disbelieving, question mark? Is it wondering, ellipsis? Or some of all the above. It seems like the best things in life are always going to be a shuffled deck of cards like that. At least it seems to me. Joy, disbelieving, wonder. I remember when uh, my my son was born. Uh, He's 39 years old today. I'm 42. I don't know how that happened, but he, he's, he's 39. But I remember the day he was born. It was a long day. I was tired. I was worn out. I was exhausted. I think my wife was too, but I, I certainly was. I can only speak for me. And finally at 5 o'clock, after all this long day of labor, he's born. And there he is in the nursery, and I'm looking through that big plate glass window, and there he is, and there is a card with my name in bold print, all caps, letters. There it was. And all I could do is sort of back up against the wall and just slide down and sit on the floor. There was no chair in the hallway. I, I must have looked like Wiley e. Coyote in a Roadrunner cartoon after the Acme ton of bricks fell on him. Just, oh, because it was all of that stuff. It was joy. I'm a father. It was, I can't believe it. I'm a father. It was, aha, oh, yay. It was, oh, no. It was, This is delightful. This is a lot of responsibility. Aren't the largest things of life somehow that blended hand that we're given to play? Easter happens even among the complications. They they season. These contrary feelings seem to season 
the stone soup of hope. They seem to flavor the gumbo of grace. And they make Easter even larger. Joy, disbelief, wonder, and peace be unto you, Jesus said. And it says, and he opened their mind. That's been happening for me the last two weeks. This this past week, I've been over at McAfee Seminary for a conference sponsored by McAfee by the uh, American uh, Baptist Historical Society and others about uh, Walter Rauschenbusch, the father of the social gospel. This is the 100th anniversary year of his death. It's an interesting combination for us as Northside Drive because there have been several times we've taken youth groups to the Rauschenbusch Center in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. There at Metro Baptist Church and the pastor was there. Kay Brazel has gone with the youth three times to that location. At the Rauschenbusch Center, they sponsor a thing called Urban Immersion. They had some building space they didn't, weren't using anymore, so they put bunk beds in. So groups could come from all over, live there, and be a part of the urban environment, even help out when the hurricane had come through years ago. It was a good study for me this week to be reminded of the white social gospel that was pretty much white social gospel, but preached by Rauschenbusch, who died at the age of 56 or 57, but made a big impact on the world. That helped open my mind, but it really helped open my mind because it was back-to-back with my trip to Memphis two weeks ago when I went on the anniversary, the 50th anniversary, of the death of Martin Luther King. That I was there in Memphis on Monday, April the 2nd, going with 50 or 60 ministers, black and white, from Atlanta on a charter jet given by Delta and Bernice King uh, connected with us, took us. We went at her invitation to the Lorraine Motel that's now the National Civil Rights Museum, that you start on the ground floor, always going uphill, all the way to the second floor where the balcony is where he was shot. And then later that night stood a lone white man, and it was Will D. Campbell, a Baptist, who was a mentor to me when it came to civil rights. They had his picture there on the second floor. We went that night to Claiborne Temple Church, which is the church where the sanitation workers met and in their basement printed those iconic signs, I am a man. We had dinner that night right there. And then the next day at Memphis State, JB's old uh, stomping ground, and then that evening we were at the Mason Temple Church, the place where MLK gave the mountaintop speech 50 years ago to the minute. It was filled to capacity. It was people everywhere. It was electricity in the air. There were us commoners. There were celebrities. Samuel L. Jackson sat three rows behind me because 50 years ago as a Morehouse student, he was an usher at MLK's funeral in our fair city It was there that we sang. It was there that we prayed and praised. 
there that we grieved, there we heard uh, the Honorable Andrew Young tell the story again and say, we were just a bunch of poor Baptist preachers. And look what God wrought. And then they played the tape of, I've been to the mountaintop. I may not get there with you. And he didn't. For the next day, he was killed. I may not get there with you. And part of the grief was, after 50 years, we are still not there. I mean, it was only August of last year, August of 2017, that the Tiki Torch Parade happened at the University of Virginia for white supremacy. It feels like we are sometime going backward away from the mountaintop. I may not get there with you. It could be that our species dies before the ark finishes bending toward justice. But oh, you should have heard us sing. We felt the community of Easter. We felt the conflicting emotions of Easter. And then at 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning the 4th, we landed back in Atlanta. We were all tired. We were dragging our carry-on luggage out to the uh, parking lot. And it just so happened that I was dragging mine, and there was Bernice King dragging hers. And as I walked out, I said to her, thank you for the invitation. You've let me go with you to the mountaintop. And it was an honor to be a witness. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is also offered. And as we sing, we, we take a look in our hearts. We look in the mirrors of the soul and see, and see the grace of God that includes us and forgives us. The hymn of invitation is for each of us. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. It comes from the sacred harp tradition, the the Southern Harmony tradition, with a strong rhythm, a primal kind of sound and feel that we will live into and sing robustly. Let's stand together and sing.
Well, each time we gather, we bring our celebrations and concerns and announcements. I bring a few of those to you this morning. As James said uh, in his sermon earlier, we invite all of you, and I've been granted all authority on heaven and earth by Barbara Atchley, to invite all of you to the fellowship hall after the service to celebrate with uh, the Zeta family. Mr. Zeta will be uh, joining us. We look forward to welcoming him with open arms. There will be a church and council tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Reminder. Next Sunday, there will be a called church and conference to consider the ordination of Anna Kate Stevenson. Wanted you to know about that. Be looking forward to that next Sunday, directly after the worship service. Uh, Please take some time, if you weren't able last Sunday, to view the Andrew P. Stewart Center posters in the narthex as you leave on the way to the Zeta luncheon. I think they'll be there for today, and then they'll have to go back to the Andrew P. Stewart Center. My thanks to the Missions Committee and Kathy Harris especially uh, for being present last week um, to celebrate that center and our strong support of it in the past with you. We do have some celebrations to announce today. Um, some big news uh, for Jade Rashband, who I was told was called as the associate pastor at Southeast Portland Parish in Portland, Oregon. And you may be wondering, well, what is happening to Jeffrey Duncurley? Jeffrey was accepted into the PhD program in clinical psychology at George Fox University, also in Portland, Oregon. We celebrate with both Jade and Jeffrey. Congratulations, you two. Look forward to uh, uh, your future together. We continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings with O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, uh, an old hymn uh, by George Matheson from 1882 with new music by the contemporary composer John Ness Beck with a jazz accompaniment. Let's continue our worship.
All-loving God, sometimes on a rainy Sunday, we feel like a remnant community. But if we are, we are a resurrection remnant community, bringing into our lives all the joy and challenge to be a witness of Easter. Bless us this week. Bless these tithes and offerings that symbolize our gratitude and gifts to you. Bless and help and heal and hold us, for thine is the glory. In Christ's name, amen. We give thanks for a new class of acolytes, don't we, who are learning the journey. And uh, especially gratitude to Bo, who got those candles 
lighted and snuffed today. It takes a step ladder and a flamethrower to get that done, and uh, I appreciate his persistence. Remember the luncheon afterward, everybody's invited. Please stay. As we prepare to go, remember, may the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.